Welcome to Idle Chatter, brought to you by the Machinery Digest, where steel and soil meet. A weekly podcast by a New Jersey farmer to all farmers and ranchers across this great nation. And yes, there are farms in New Jersey. Regardless of the crop you grow or the livestock you raise, we all have one thing in common. Agriculture runs on passion, sweat, tears, and machinery. And that is why the Machinery Digest exists. A no-nonsense, grease-under-your-fingernails educational website. It was created to provide a transfer of knowledge so that you can maintain, service, and most importantly, understand today's complex farm equipment. My name is Ray Bohax and I farm too. It is time now to get under the sheet metal. Hello my friends and welcome to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, and hopefully, uh, God willing, we're going to have a good and interesting show today. And, you know, when you do a show as this, you have an eclectic audience base. And being the hot rod farmer is that I have a lot of people that are in agricultural farmers, ranchers, agronomists, and uh, they work for, sometimes they uh, have people that are... uh, work for actually OE manufacturers that are listening and I'm really blessed to have this broad base of people uh, in agriculture ranching and some of them in, in horticulture actually but anyway you know the problem that it poses is that you always as the host of the show you always want to please your audience and when you have an eclectic audience base like that I sometimes second-guess myself and say, geez, you know, would the, a percentage of my audience would probably like this topic, but maybe there's a good percentage of them that will not find this of interest. And I chose my words very carefully because I said interest. And oftentimes in all aspects of life, uh, you know, we want to hear, we want someone to tell us what we want to hear. And the reason why I said interest is that many times what is of interest of you to you, excuse me, uh, or what is not of interest to you is probably a more accurate way for me to say it, is very important for you to understand or to learn. And because if we only if we only learned like eating, if we only ate what we liked and didn't have a mixed diet, uh, and sometimes force ourselves right as a kid to eat your peas your mom was right there was a reason why you're supposed to eat your peas but um we will never grow and this is what and i've said this so many times before and as the audience grows and i'm so so grateful for that the uh the ex- extraordinary growth that i have been seeing with this and that's by and i give all the glory to god for that because it is nothing that i'm doing i'm just a dryland farmer in Hackettstown, New Jersey, doing a show, a podcast show from the basement of our farmhouse in my office. So that is all his hand. But, you know, I really want this to be, and I'm hoping that I'm accomplishing it, to be an educational show and an educational website. I am all about education. But I think that education needs to be delivered in a means and in a way that is not burdensome to the uh, listener 
or the consumer of the education, but also in a way that they could make, that they could practically apply it. I mean, if you, uh, if you don't have the ability to practically apply what you're learning, then other than giving you some some benefit if you go on the TV show Jeopardy and Alex Trebek asks you a question that uh, you could have the answer. So on this particular show today, if you were to go on Jeopardy, Alex Trebek will be asking you, what is cylinder fill? Excuse me, I I have that backwards. (laughs) So in essence, Alex Trebek could ask you, Peak torque in an engine, and then you could answer back, what is peak volumetric efficiency, Alex? So hopefully I got that right. You know, that Jeopardy, I think a lot of those people, I used to love watching that with my dad when he was alive. We used to watch that, and uh, I used to go down to his house. His house on our farm was about 800 feet away from our house when Charlotte and I got engaged and planned to get married. Charlotte is my wife. I guess you could glean that if you didn't know that. My parents gave us some land off the farm, off the family farm, uh, to build a house. And it was up on the, as most farmers on the East Coast, uh, you build where you can't farm. So our house is up against the wood line of the property. But anyway, I used to go down to my dad's house in his later years. He had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and I took care of him for seven or eight years before he passed on. But... Um, we used to watch Jeopardy together, so uh, we used to enjoy that. But I know a lot of those people got messed up because they didn't. It was always the they didn't say what is, whatever the answer is. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, something called volumetric efficiency. And the reason why I introduced the topic in that manner is that it may. I don't want you to click off right now, so I'm going to ask you to have faith in me. And I'm going to ask you to trust me, and and I'm going to ask you to listen to the entire show, even though you may not be that interested in how a cylinder gets filled in an engine. And the reason why I'm going to ask you to listen to that is because if you have a basic understanding of that concept, it is something that you could take and you could apply to all aspects of your farm, not just engines, but also it is important for you to understand to a certain level not trying to make you an engineer but to a certain level how engines operate because as we all know that engines are a key driver and a key component just as important as putting the seed in the ground which today we cannot do without an engine in most parts of the world so i'll ask you to please stick with me have faith in me. Hopefully you enjoy this and then you learn and can take that and cross it over into other aspects of your life. And this actually is going to be, it's not going to be a true two-part two-part show because I've done one two-part show uh, with the right to repair. And if you haven't heard that, you may want to go back into my archives on, the, on my Farm Machinery Digest website and listen to it. But it's not going to be a two-part. It's it's not going to be a true two-part show. But next week's show is going to be about turbochargers, and you really need you know the foundation of understanding volumetric efficiency so that you could understand the turbocharger. It would be akin to like reading a soil sample or soil test, excuse me, 
and not understanding base saturation or the importance of micronutrients or pH or cation exchange capacity. So you 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 can't you can't get to to, to uh, to B without starting at A. And that's what this whole show about is going to be about today. And why I think it's important for you to understand this uh, and link it together with turbocharging is that the majority of farm equipment today is turbocharged. Uh, diesel engines are predominantly turbocharged today. And we'll discuss that in length next week. Uh, but also there's a lot of gasoline engines that are turbocharged today. So it's important for you to understand these concepts. Uh, and for the racers out there, the hot rod farmers, well, I think you're really going to enjoy this. And it may unlock some of the mysteries of how an engine makes power. But due to this and wanting to not to give as much time as I possibly can to the subject matter, not that it's overly complex, and I'm not going to make it complex, but to, so you could fully understand it, is that this whole show today is going to be brought to you by the good folks at Firestone Ag, and I am not going to include a special delivery letter, even though I do have a couple of those piling up, but I will hopefully be able to get to them next week with the turbocharger show. It's always harder to lay the foundation than it is to raise the building and that's so this is really the foundational show for the turbochargers but you know always keep in mind that if when it comes time for farm tires that when you buy a firestone farm tire that you are actually buying that tire from a man who was a farmer and harvey firestone as we all know was the founder of Firestone Ag, and he grew up in Columbiana, Ohio, and that's where he farmed. And Harvey dreamed, he knew that there was a better way. He Harvey dreamed of being able to put rubber tires on farm tractors instead of the steel wheels. And that innovative mindset that, that Harvey had, he, was a, he, he thought out of the box. And if you look at anybody that truly is successful in their field, and I don't care what the field may be, is that those are the people that do not accept the norm and think out of the box. And Harvey realized that the steel wheel was not the way to go for many reasons. And the, and the first of all, the ride was so horrific that the farmer could not work efficiently in his field. So he wanted to take the theory of pneumatic tires, which were used on automobiles and trucks, and bring them over to agriculture. And that innovative thought process, that thinking out of the box, still exists today at Firestone and lives on with their 23-degree tread bar and their AD2 technology. You know, so often we, we look at the soil on our farm and we recognize that it is the lifeblood of our farm, but so many times that there is a, there is a gap, a bridge. We don't make a connection that the, how, the, the efficiency of that tire, I'm not going to say volumetric efficiency, but the way that tire interacts with that soil is paramount to our success in agriculture. And that is why I feel that with Harvey Fires, Firestone's background and their advanced technology, that you should only trust your soil and thus your farm to Firestone. So check them out. You know, when it comes to buy farm tires or you're ordering, you're blessed to be able to order a new piece of equipment. Uh, then you'll spec it out with the Firestone tire. And if anybody is going to Commodity Classic, 
that I would uh, love for you to stop by and visit me. I will be in and out at the Firestone booth, and if I am not there, you could speak to any of the great folks that are there. And Brad Harris, who is actually the lead engineer on their tire development, who is a great, great guy, and I've had the blessings of working with him a number of times. And the first time I went to Harvey to the Firestone test farm, I spent the whole day with Brad. And he uh, is a great guy, and they farm also. I think they farm just around a thousand acres, or maybe a little bit less. But he's the real deal. So uh, check it out, and if you come to Commodity Classic, please uh, stop by and visit. And if you don't come to Commodity Classic, please feel free to contact me at the Hot Rod Farmer at FarmMachineryDigest.com with any questions about tires. And if I don't know them, I will put you in contact with Brad. And Brad will uh, give you... He's a straight shooter, the real deal. He's he's not going to sell you anything. So just keep that in mind. Alrighty, so as we go into this volumetric efficiency deal... And you say, what is volumetric efficiency? Well, I'm going to explain that to you in a second. Well, maybe not a second, because like my wife says, I can't do any, I can't talk only for a second. I'm looking at my timer as I'm into this uh, show already. I'm trying to refrain from saying podcast, because I drag it out like that. And uh, I'm already 12 minutes and I haven't got there. So it's a good thing I'm not doing a special delivery segment. But anyway, you know, as a Christian... I hate waste. I hate any type of waste because I feel that I'm not being a good steward of God's blessings to me when I waste something. And I I don't care whether it's a piece of paper uh and you know and especially food but anything, water, uh tires, anything. I don't like waste. I don't like waste. I think that things should be used properly and they should be if possibly repurposed. Um uh, or recycled, but I really do hate waste. And, and you know, oftentimes, specifically living here on the East Coast, because there's a, a different mindset, we're so encroached by the cities of Philadelphia and New York City. Our farm is closer to New York City. You know, and I found, sadly, is that people move away from an agrarian lifestyle, and you have second or third or fourth generation that has never had any association with agriculture or God's creation, and live completely in a man-made world, that they often uh, look at things the incorrect way. I mean, because they weren't exposed to it, nor are they open-minded enough. In many instances, some people are to uh, to look at it through the eyes of someone else. But anyway, so you know, living here, somebody would probably say to me that I'm cheap, and I am not cheap by no means whatsoever. You know, not liking waste or or uh, or hating waste, I should say, is a more a stronger way of saying it. And being cheap is a two opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, as I said before in the show, my friend Bobby Ida always says that I'm not rich enough or successful enough to be able to afford to buy something that cheap. So it's not the idea of cheapness, it's the idea of not wasting. And I don't care how affluent you are, the thing is that you do have an onus of not wasting, and, I, and, and no matter what it may be, and you need to respect what you have. So what does this have to do with engines and volumetric efficiency? Well, it is quite simple. And we're going to make this, I'm going to make it very, very easy for you to understand. So I'm going to use some basic, basic numbers. You know, first what we need to do is we need to debunk uh, something, 
a conventional wisdom, and it probably truly is a conventional wisdom, and I'm going to use a number of 300. So, on an engine, any engine, uh, that is four stroke or four cycles, that's called an auto cycle, because Mr. Otto invented that. So you have intake, compression, power, and exhaust is how it was taught to us. But that's really not the proper names for it. So you have, you could have intake, you have compression, and then the third stroke would not be power, would be what is called expansion, because the flame is actually expanding, whether it's a gasoline engine or a diesel, and that expansion of that flame is pushing the piston down into the bore. And then the fourth stroke is what is called the pumping loop, and we would, in lay people, call it the exhaust stroke. And that is when the inert exhaust gas, in other words, all of the fuel and air mixture, which is called the charge, is spent and being pushed out of the cylinder. Now, I will have to get a little bit technical here, but I will, I will bridle myself so I don't go off on a tangent and then have you uh, zone out on me respectfully, because I, uh, I do, I do have it, uh, I do get kind of excited with this stuff. And uh, as a quick aside, this past summer my wife and I were up in Michigan and we stopped over at Agro Liquid and the great guy and great company, uh, Troy Bancroft and his sons run it, and just great, great people. They have a wonderful facility there, and they're hot rod farmers. They're into, I mean, they're into cars, tractors, trucks, and uh, you could just look at their delivery trucks, then you could tell that they're car guys. But anyway, Troy made the mistake, Troy Bancroft, of in inviting us to go to lunch. So I, uh, he started to talk to me about, or he made the, the mistake of asking me a question of why these, why modern engines are able to make so much power from a small displacement versus what, what was years ago. Well, my wife scolded me when I got back in the car after, because I didn't shut up, uh, and I just kept going on and going on, and I kind of machine gunned poor Troy with uh, all information about volumetric efficiency. And as a matter of fact, when we got home, Charlotte actually sent Troy a sewing kit and those of you that are listening a little bit older, there used to be an old saying that somebody could talk your ear off. Well, Charlotte said, sent him a sewing kit so that he could sew his ear back on after I talked it off about volumetric efficiency. So hopefully I don't do that to you. But the thing is that, to get back to the exhaust stroke, is that when the exhaust valve, just before the exhaust valve opens, the pressure in the cylinder is greater than the pressure in the exhaust port of the cylinder head. Um, which remember the valve, the exhaust valve separates the combustion chamber and cylinder bore from the exhaust port. And as soon as that valve cracks open, think of it as like taking a nail or a drill and or, or drilling a hole in a tire. You have a blowout, right? It goes psh, all the air comes out very quickly because there, there's more pressure in the tire than there is in the atmosphere. So what happens is as soon as that exhaust valve cracks open is that that cylinder starts to discharge. And then that is called blowdown. B-L-O-W-D-O-W-N. Blowdown. And so the valve cracks open and the cylinder blows down because through the, the laws of physics, which is nature that God created, high pressure wants to go to low pressure. So you have a, a great deal of 
a uh, precipitous drop in the cylinder pressure but once the cylinder pressure equalizes in the exhaust port with the bore then the exhaust gas no longer evacuates and as the crankshaft turns the camshaft turns the valve opens more and as the piston travels to top dead center on the exhaust stroke it pushes the the residual exhaust out that did not evacuate at blowdown. So it's blowdown, think of blow out on a tire. The same thing, or blow out on a hydraulic line, or blow out on a, a uh, line on your sprayer. So it is blow, it is blown out. And that is why it is called the pumping loop, because the predominant amount of exhaust is pushed out from the piston. All right, so now that we have that in our mind, if conventional wisdom would say that if you have a 300 cubic inch engine that on every cycle of that engine the four strokes and or we'll start off with the intake stroke that that cylinder bore is a hundred percent filled with charge and keep in mind that charge is fuel and air mixed together so I will use that term throughout this show today and so you would tend to think if you have a 300 cubic inch motor that when it's idling the cylinders are filled to capacity the ones that are that are firing obviously not the ones that are not firing or that the intake valve is open on and that that would make sense that would be just like to a non-farmer who would think that you know if you plant so many seeds that i'm a sweet corn farmer so we'll say if I put, you know, my my planting population is 20,400 per acre. So if I put 20,400 per acre seeds in the ground, then I should have 20,400 plants, right? And then out of the 20,400 plants, I should have 20,400 ears of corn per acre. And we all know that it does not happen that way. When you look at a high-yield farmer, that's what he's trying to optimize. He's trying to optimize the amount of grain or corn or soybeans, whatever it may be, that he has each plant producing versus the amount of seeds he put in the ground. Right, well, since that would seem to make sense to a non-farmer that every stalk is gonna is going to fill out and produce a, a, a marketable ear of corn in my instance that we all know that if that were the case that we would be a lot richer than we are so what happens is that the full potential versus what is actually happening is not the case is not the is, it does not come to fruition now on an engine what is going to happen is that we measure and you cannot measure this this is done uh, when the engine is developed so it's a concept that I want you to understand but you're not going to be able to go out and you're going to measure it yourself like you can go through a combine or go out into the field and, and do an inspection of your of your crop and do a population count or what have you so you're not gonna be able to measure this, this is all conceptually but it's important for you to understand it so the thing that you need to know is that on a normally aspirated engine, and what a normally aspirated engine means is that it has no turbocharger or supercharger. Superchargers are not really used today in agriculture. Uh, the old years ago Detroit diesels were both two-stroke Detroit diesels were both turbocharged and supercharged, but that is not the case anymore. So if you, 
so if it's normally aspirated it means it has no way of putting additional air and fuel charge into the cylinder other than the pumping action of the pistons and whatever happens through the differential in pressure from atmosphere to the low pressure of vacuum in the bore. Keep in mind that an end, the cylinder on an engine is filled through the pressure differential between atmosphere and the low pressure and a vacuum is anything that is less than atmosphere, atmospheric pressure. So, and that these charges actually pushed in the air is pushed into the end, into the cylinder. So, we have to establish that we're not getting full yield, and full yield from all of the seeds we're putting in the ground, and what we are thinking about with an engine is that we're not completely filling that cylinder on every event. Now, as I said a second ago, on a normally aspirated engine, at peak torque, the cylinder is only about 80% full. So, if we were to take easy numbers and say we had a 300 cubic inch engine, and like an old straight 6 Ford was 300 cubic inch, great engine, all right, 300 cubic inch engine, and we had 80% cylinder fill, then that engine would effectively be producing the power of a 240 cubic inch engine. And how did I come up with that? I took 300 cubic inches, which is the volume of that engine, all, all the cylinders put together. And it makes no difference if this is a one-cylinder engine or a 16-cylinder engine. It makes no difference. The concept is the same, because one cylinder is firing at a time. Um, and I multiplied it by 80% by 0.8, and the math comes up to 240 cubic inches. So if you have a 300 cubic inch engine, I'm repeating it, and it is experiencing 80% volumetric efficiency cylinder fill, then that is the equivalent of a 240 cubic inch engine that is experiencing 100% volumetric efficiency. All right, so you're with me now? So it's the amount, to think of it as crop, it's the amount of seed you're planting, the amount of plants you get, and the amount of harvestable yield of the fruit from that plant, using fruit as a generic term, is what is going to determine your volumetric efficiency. Now, arguably, let's say you had a 300 cubic inch engine, and you had 110% volumetric efficiency. And that engine would be now be able to do the work of a 330 cubic inch engine. So now you say to yourself, well, how can I be a over 100% full? How can I have put, put 20,400 seeds in the ground and get 25,000 plants? Well, when it comes to plants, you cannot have that happen unless you had some volunteer seed that came up, right? So at that particular point, this this uh, metaphor or this analogy has to break away. The thing is that how can you put more in the cylinder than it than its volume will, will uh, mathematically say that it will hold? And that's very simple by compressing it by actually pushing more. So if you were to take, let's say, a 
uh, a box of cereal. And then when you go to the supermarket and you buy a box of cereal or a bag of potato chips, it says that the content settles, right? So when you open it up, it may not be full to the top because the content settled. So they fill it up, and as time goes on, it settles down to a level, and they sell it to you by volume, right? Volumetric efficiency. So it may be a bag that, or a box for, for cereal that could hold 20 ounces, but they're selling you 16 ounces, and then when... They fill it, and before it settles down, it's at the 20-ounce mark, but once it gets packaged and, and the gravity works on it, it settles down to a certain level. So they have to have a 20-ounce bag to be able to give you 16 ounces of marketable, of saleable product. So keep that thought in mind. Well, if you were to take now this bag of cereal this box of cereal and you were to take the and you're filling it with cereal and you're pushing it down and you're compressing it right forgetting about the fact that you'd break the cereal but you're pushing it down and you're compressing it right it would be very possible that because of that compression that you would be able to put more than 20 ounces in there you may be able to put 20 21 22 ounces in there because you're pushing it tightly all together so the normal air space that would be between the pieces of cereal or the flakes of the cereal would no longer be there and you could also think of that as compacted soil because if when you ride on the field and a lot of guys say they had to ride on their fields this year with wet weather and they compacted that soil what happens there's a rut there correct well what is a rut you still have the same volume of soil all right you have the same amount of or i should say um pounds of soil or tons of soil but the normal air space that would be between the molecules of the soil was now was pushed out by the compression of the tire riding on it and you have a rut now so think of it that way so when you're running the soil you're compressing it and you're actually it's like volumetric efficiency so if you were to get over a hundred percent volumetric efficiency on an engine that means that in a good sense this is running up that cylinder it's pushing more in than it would normally hold so you're packing it packing it very tightly all right now a basic tenant of an engine is that it's only going to produce as much power as it does have charge in the cylinder you're not going to be able to produce more power than charge so the thing basically is you need to either have a bigger cylinder or you need to compress more into that cylinder than the mathematical volume says it could state and that is because you're putting the the fuel and air molecules closer together so it is like compress compacting soil in the field when you rode on it when it is wet and pushing it all together so now you may ask and you may say well <clears throat> what why does this happen on an engine and why isn't that cylinder a hundred percent filled all the time so we are going to and that is an excellent question because i mean common sense would say that it's if it's if it's not filled a hundred percent why and if we can overfill it why well inside an engine they have what is called pumping losses and that is the loss that is the work that the engine does to try to fill a cylinder by moving the piston up and down 
and to uh, and running the valve train and then exhausting the exhaust through after blowdown. Remember, we just discussed that a minute or two ago. So the less efficient or or the more pumping losses is probably a more accurate way for me to say it than turn around. So the the pumping losses inside the engine are responsible for an impact in how much cylinder fill or volumetric efficiency. And let's take a very simplistic approach. Let's say that you have an engine with a completely plugged air filter. Empirically, empirically meaning through practical knowledge, through worldly knowledge, you know that that engine will not run as strong and not run as well or as efficiently or efficiently with a plugged air filter or a, or an air filter intake tube that's crushed. All right. So why is that? Is it magic? No, it's not magic. What it basically is is that you are limiting the volumetric efficiency because you increased through by having the restricted air filter the pumping loss. Now, look at a human being. Look at yourself. If you have a if you have clear lungs and you have clear a clear nasal passage, you don't have allergies, you don't have a cold, you don't have anything all right and you are able to very efficiently oxygenate your body and you could work so let's say you're unloading bags of feed from the back of a truck and you you feel great today you got your you you no cold you you're not a smoker your lungs are great and everything right then what happens you could go and you could move these bags and you're working like a dynamo right so now the next day another load of feed comes to the farm and boy last night if you're anything like me my wife is a kindergarten teacher and she brings home all of these bugs from these kids good god in heaven they're like a petri dish and i always end up being the recipient of it all right so the next day now i'm all stuffed up i'm stuffed up my nose is plugged my i i I got coughing and what have you and i just can't work like i did yesterday right when everything was clear well, what basically happened is that I had pumping losses. I was not be able, I was not able to oxygenate my body because my nose was plugged, and I had a restriction, and I was getting minimal volumetric efficiency of minimum lung fill, and an engine volumetric efficiency is cylinder fill. All right. So now the next day, my nose is all cleared up, and I could go back to working. Right, and I'm at a hundred percent. So now for somebody, a poor soul that has emphysema who who has lung problems, what do they have to do? Is that they have to take, wear an oxygen mask or some sort of artificial way to get oxygen into their body. And, you know, that's a terrible thing. You see these poor people and they're walking around with either an oxygen tank and, you know, thankfully they have these little portable machines now that are basically almost like little turbochargers. So what they're basically doing is they're filling your their lungs. They're increasing their volumetric efficiency. They're increasing how much their lungs are filled, filled but they're doing it through a oxygen bottle or some sort of machine like that inogen or whatever it's called that they wear uh, on their shoulder and it puts additional oxygen molecules into their body. So the pumping loss is the difference between having a being able to fully charge the cylinder and only partially charging it. 
So to make sense of this, we use the air cleaner example. But now you have a nice clean air filter. How come your engine doesn't go to 100% volumetric efficiency? Well, it does not go to 100% volumetric efficiency due to the path and the the course that the air has to take from the air inlet through the intake manifold through the cylinder head and into the cylinder and those are all what they call flow losses or flow restrictions and air like any gaseous uh, component or a liquid does not like to make turns does not like to to uh, to change direction it doesn't like to go through smaller passages and larger passages so basically in essence if you that, that pathway from the air cleaner to the cylinder is what causes the flow losses and in turn the lower volumetric efficiency and an engine when it has the cylinder the fullest with air is when it makes peak torque and that is why I said that 80% volumetric efficiency occurs on a nat on most naturally aspirated engines uh, uh, that's usually the value they get to it could be 81 could be 79 what have you and and that is when peak torque is created and then peak horsepower is created when the engine no longer can pump any more air because horsepower is work over time and i did a show about that earlier on when i started this podcast and you can look back in the archives about that and you know like i said i'm trying to separate this and still make it so it's tangible and you could grab onto it but just like reading a soil test is there's a lot of dynamics and plant physiology with nutrient uptake that you would truly need to understand but you could have a cursory cursory uh knowledge or or acceptance of it and that's all you need at this particular time now to the hot rod farmers out there you have a race motor you have a drag motor circle track motor your tractor puller what have you all right the thing is that if you were to look at a race motor and let's say a drag race engine is that the intake manifold is very upright and has a straight shot the the port of the intake manifold is lined up perfectly and is raised up so there's a straight shot no turns down into the intake port of the cylinder to fill the cylinder and that is to improve volumetric efficiency so anytime that you get more charge in the cylinder then you are going to improve and increase the volumetric efficiency but if you were to look at a production engine and it has to fit underneath the hood and to fit underneath the hood everything in engineering is a compromise so so if you want to have a very low swept hood for, for for great aerodynamics great visibility what have you you're going to have to slam and if it's a v-shaped engine slam that intake manifold and then have it enter the port of the cylinder head on an angle all right not a straight shot and uh and that increases the pumping losses which decreases the volumetric efficiency so now what also comes into play is the throttle plate because if an engine is idling and i don't care whether it's a thousand horsepower engine or a briggs and stratton on a lawnmower when an engine is idling 
The throttle limits the amount of airflow into the engine and thus limits the volumetric efficiency. So if you really look at it, if you want to look at it in the truest of terms, is that when you have, it should not be called a gas pedal or a throttle pedal, it should actually be called a VE pedal, a volumetric efficiency pedal, because what you're basically doing is that you're limiting the volumetric efficiency, the air, so you're holding your nose, like I'm going to do right now, hold my nose, all right, and you're squeezing your nose shut to limit the amount of power the engine can make but how is it why is it not making as much power because you're limiting the cylinder fill and at peak torque is when you will have your highest cylinder fill and at peak horsepower is that you will have a little bit less cylinder fill but the crankshaft will have more rpm and will be able to do work faster so now staying with that theory is that how would you get an engine to have more a normally aspirated engine more than a hundred percent volumetric efficiency and i'm going to tell you a little bit story a little bit of a little bit story a little bit of a story that's really proper english right a little bit story so back in i think 2000 my dad was still alive so maybe it was 2010 ford motor company was coming out uh with the new uh with the current Mustang platform for the next year, I believe. But anyway, they introduced, they were introducing the Coyote engine. And that is the engine that is uh, the name of the engine that has in the, been in the Mustang, this version of the Mustang, the past number of years. And the first day of the auto show in New York City is Journalist Day. And as a member of the uh, International Motoring Press Association that you could go to the, you could go to the auto show you have to show your press pass which I have and then you go in there and it's it's really a gala event all of the car companies try to outdo one another all the executives are there I met at the time uh, Alan Mullally which is the president of Ford Motor Company uh, who's talking to me shook his hand uh, the engineer and Ford does a great job and I, they do the most wonderful job because they have marketing people, but they had engineers there and development engineers, not a guy who's just designing a dipstick. And they were introducing the Coyote motor and for the Mustang. And then I was looking at the intake manifold, and I was looking, and I said, boy, it's a pretty nice manifold and pretty nice port you have there. I said, what kind of VE does it have? And he said to me, it's got a, he says, as it goes into production, I mean, it's the production air intake, the, the production manifold and the production exhaust system on it with the catalytic converter, the mufflers, what have you. Because remember that pumping loop, as we said, uh, that the the blowdown in the cylinder, so that the uh, is going to affect the way the exhaust is discharged, and which is going to affect how much comes in. Because you can't fill a cylinder while it still has the, the exhaust in it. So that pumping loop is definitely going to affect it. So he said to me, as it sits right now, as it's going into production, it's 106% VE. I almost fell over. I said 106%. I said, that's a, that's a mild supercharging effect. And he got a big grin and he smiled. He says, yes, sir, it is. He says, and he says you're the only one here that, that really recognizes. Because historically... Automotive journalists don't know anything about cars, but anyway, uh, you know, specifically about engines. So, how did Ford achieve that? Ford achieved that through very efficient intake manifold design, airflow path exhaust, and by also varying the cam timing 
on the engine variable cam timing and if you look at almost any gasoline engine and a lot of diesels now right they're coming up with variable cam timing because the camshaft all right if it's if you cannot vary the valve events through the action of the camshaft then the camshaft is truly a compromised design because it has to work at low rpm has to work at, at its uh mid-range rpm and full rpm and you cannot get a cam lobe and a cam position that works very efficiently so it's in all of those operating ranges on a steady state engine you can so if you were to look at let's say like a briggs and stratton engine on a lawnmower they're designed to run approximately 3600 rpm so the intake manifold design and the style of the intake manifold the length of the runner and the camshaft design is optimized for 3600 rpm if you have let's say like a diesel on an irrigation pump and it's an industrial engine so let's say you have a cat industrial engine versus a cat engine in a truck on a truck or a tractor or anything like that that's what's called a transient engine because it's going to operate at all different rpm ranges and all different loads whereas an industrial engine is basically designed to operate at the highest efficiency at one rpm so if you have only one rpm yes can it transition below that of course but lots of times you'll even listen to the exhaust that it's not as happy uh specifically with a small motor like a one or two cylinder gasoline engine or a little diesel engine like a hats or something h-a-t-z they make a nice little engine uh it's not as happy as it is when it's at its sweet spot which is usually around 3600 rpm so that is why if you go and open up the hood on your wife's car and open up your hood on the pickup truck right gasoline powered pickup truck if it's newer that there is variable cam timing because but without getting into a camshaft uh, show here is that by you changing the phase of the cam you are able to increase the volumetric efficiency at different operating ranges and different operating speeds so that is so how did ford get a hundred six percent and i my friend gene has a new mustang uh he lives out in las vegas and i and you know i told him if i bought a new mustang i'm not into vanity plates but i would get ve 106 and i think the newer version is probably closer to 108 but i get ve 106 and i have ve dash 106 and only an engine guy would know what that is <laughs> so uh and i would like that but that is how they were able to do it so in closing here before i start to wrap this up and bring this into life is that the whole the efficiency or the lack of restriction in the intake path will impact the volumetric efficiency and anything that you do to either impact that in a negative way or impact in a positive way will affect how much power that engine makes if you have decreased volumetric efficiency the engine is going to make less power so it's decreased cylinder fill and if you are able to increase the volumetric efficiency that's actually like a mild supercharging or if you want to think in the industry we call as an engineer we call it a supercharging effect and a turbocharger is exhaust driven where a supercharger is, is uh 
is crankshaft driven, but the effect is called supercharging. So it's uh, you're actually supercharging that engine and filling the cylinder more with charge air and fuel mixed together but predominantly air because then you could just through the carburetor or through the injection system fuel that but you need to get the air in there so and for um now let's apply this to life and i want you to, to apply this to your farm or ranch now that you have a basic understanding of volumetric efficiency, let's talk about a row crop farm. And I'm going to talk about corn because I am familiar with that. I've never grown wheat or soybeans or sugar beets, but it all comes to, comes to be the same. The thing is that for you to be a high-yield farmer, you need to get as much volumetric efficiency from your inputs that go into that crop as possible. And you need to be able to go in there and and uh, and you need to be able to say, I'm putting this much seed in the ground, I'm putting this much fertilizer, I'm putting this much fungicide, and I am if I'm irrigating, I'm putting this much water, and I need to be able to get a hundred percent from this seed. If you're a corn farmer, if you are a soybean guy, you could actually cheat through nodulation, right? But the fact that it matters and get 102%, 105%, 106%. So if you look at the high yield farmers, regardless of what the crops are, they're getting 100%, 102%, 103% volumetric efficiency. If you look at, and that's why I'm closing with this, if you look at your farm operation, and I've said this, and I beat this drum because people don't want to recognize it for what it is and it frustrates me and no no disrespect but it frustrates me but for you to you have to if you have to have everything running at a hundred percent ve on your farm or ranch to be profitable today and you know back east we have a saying that you know rain and manure hide you know hide a lot of poor farming practices well high crop prices hide a lot of poor farming practices and a lot of inefficiencies so i want your farm or your ranch to be running at a hundred ten percent ve i want you to be like a coyote motor so i want every aspect of your farm or ranch to be at a hundred ten percent so i want your your crop yield or your animal husbandry practices to be at a hundred ten percent but I also want your machinery to operate at 110%, and I want to limit your amount of expenditures in the farm shop. And that's you know that's the hard part for people to think of. And and but what you need to do is you need to be at 100, a minimum of 100% VE. And I would like to see you be a coyote motor a little bit more than 100%. And that's going to take some work on your part, but more important, but probably, to tell you the truth, it's really not that much more work. It's more of a thought process. I just went to a cover crop seminar the other day, an excellent seminar. It was from the people I just started to buy my cover crop seed from, and they are called King's Agri Seed, and they're out of Pennsylvania. But anyway, you know, they're talking about cover crops, and it's 
its beneficial aspects to the soil and your fertilizer and your pesticides and your herbicide and what have you and you know i'm not an agronomist and i'm not going to go there right now but the thing is that you know i'm looking at it and i'm a firm believer in cover crops we do a five-way mix in my field and that's a show onto itself but anyway and is we had about 110 people in this show and and that show seminar and i'm looking at them and i like to look around because i do seminars i like to try to read the audience even though i'm part of the audience and half of these guys or three quarters of these guys are glazed over and i don't know whether they came off came there for the free lunch which was excellent oh, and the hat i have no idea but but the fact of the matter is is that you're never gonna have your farm and in a farm or any business profitability is volumetric efficiency I mean, how many times I said this at Commodity Classic when I gave a speech at the main stage the other, the other, not the other day, last year, is that, you know, how many times you go into town and you could see a restaurant that's always busy, right? And you come into town a month later and they're boarded up and they're closed up. They went out of business. Well, what happened is they were always busy. They were a, a 300 cubic inch engine that had the profit of a 50 cubic inch engine, so they went out of business, all right? No VE. I want you to have VE. And unless you take each aspect of your business and apply the logic of a development engineer that is making an engine, because if I could get the power out of a 300 cubic inch motor that I would normally need a 330 or 340 or 350 or a 400 cubic inch motor, all right, then I am going to use less fuel. I'm going to be more efficient. And that is so that so my the method to my madness to talk to you about volumetric efficiency was the precursor to understanding turbochargers. And second aspect of it was for you to be able to understand how you could have a 200 cubic inch motor, 173 cubic inch echo boost motor in a pickup truck and haul a 10,000 pound trailer with it. Whereas 30 years ago, you needed a 500 or 460 cubic inch motor to do that. And it had its tongue wagging out on a hot day, hanging out of its mouth on a hot day because it, it couldn't pull a load, all right? And the third part of it is I want you to think volumetric efficiency, and I. the third part of this show was to use as a metaphor for your business, for your profitability, is that I want you to look. So if you market your grain properly, you're getting 100% or 100%, 10% VE from your grain, all right, because you're marketing it properly at its highest price if you're putting inputs into the ground and your soil ph is messed up and your base saturation is messed up and you're having all of the nutrients get tied up you're putting it into the ground you got a 500 cubic inch motor and you're making the power of a 100 cubic inch motor because you're paying for these inputs and they're getting tied up you have very poor ve and if you look at if you look at as i said once again if you look at it and that the efficiency of everything you do on the farm is going to impact how profitable you are. And I want you to be profitable. I can't come there and look at every aspect of your business, but you can, and I want you to think volumetric efficiency. So now, as Paul Harvey used to know, say you know the rest of the story. An engine needs to have the cylinder filled the most to make 
the most power from its potential displacement and it needs to use that and you as a farmer or rancher or an orchardman or a cattleman or a dairy farmer needs to be able to look and apply the VE model to everything that you do in your business and then you will be successful independently of the market conditions and then once the market conditions turn around you're going to soar baby you're going to have turbocharger full boost and that's what next week's show is going to be about turbocharging i'm going to bring this all together so listen thank you so much i hope not to go this long but i did and I apologize for it, but I don't apologize because I want you to be successful and I want you to learn. And if you have any questions, please contact me at Hot Rod Farmer at FarmMachineryDigest.com. And as always, know that my thoughts, my prayers, and all of my efforts are to support you, the American farmer, and my beloved America. Have a blessed day and hopefully you could tune in next week. Thank you. Thank you.